Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Romans Empire podcast. I'm joined, and today we have a full crew, finally. Thank God. With uh, my hair, yeah, right, for once. Um, if you guys didn't notice, Sam is here with us, as always. Sam, how you doing? Good. I mean, I, I, I took a listen to your guys' podcast from last week, and I got to say, I, I definitely was missed. You guys are... Uh, pretty, funny. You guys are pretty boring without me, so um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great to be back. I like just well, add a little bit of. I'm pretty much. I'm pretty much the podcast jester at, at this point, and you guys are like the scholars. Um, Andres, how you doing, buddy? Three points in the bag. Good man. Good day. Exactly. The Broncos look good on Monday Night Football. I mean, I'm feeling good. <laughs> let's let's not talk about other sports because I'm struggling in every other sport right now. So let's just stick to <laughs> Chelsea because this is the one bright spot of my weekend. Um, but I mean, I missed last week, so I wasn't like able to just like fully state how excited I really am for the season to start, but holy shit, like waking up this morning, I could not wait until 12 o'clock Pacific time for the match to kick off. Like it, it was, it was awesome. It, it really, it really felt like a dream seeing Kai Havertz and Werner out there. Like when Those they are, walked out, it was mm, something else. And I mean, this is these are guys that we've been, you know, talked about in the past about how great, like how cool it would be to like get a player like that, and we end up getting those players, and just to see them on the pitch, wearing our kit, wearing our badge, it's it's amazing. All right, um, let's 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 move on, get into the match. Um, so just first thing to note, Kovacic was out due to a yellow card accumulation from last season. Um, so it looked like they were um, they were lined up in a 4-2-3-1. Keppa in goal, Reese James, Andreas Christensen, Zuma, and Alonso in the back line. Conte, Jorginho, uh, Havertz, uh, or was it Conte and Jorginho, uh, the, the first line of midfield, and then... Um, Havertz, RLC, and Mount, with Havertz and Mount playing on the wings, RLC kind of playing like a 10 role, which we'll kind of get into that a little bit, and then uh, Werner up top. Pulisic did not make the bench. Uh, that was due to injury. I mean, just the same the same one. I've seen people on, in, on Twitter talk about how, you know, Frank pretty much confirming that this was a new injury, but I didn't see anything about that. I think that's just speculation. I'm hoping it's the same injury, but... Um, apparently he was fit midweek yeah um, and then i don't know what happened but but we don't know what that other injury is i i i honestly think and i know andres agrees with me i think i think they're just playing it safe yeah yeah you saw what happened you know he learned his lesson i think one of you guys said that earlier today he learned his lesson with angolo conte rushing back a hamstring injury uh and that's just you know he, he's not trying to rush him back so I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah. And, okay, so before we dive into the match, I want to start off by asking you guys, which one of these choices for the starting 11 really stuck out to you and surprised you the most? Zach, I'll start off with you. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say RLC. Um, Your boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shut up. Look, I, I, I'm all for him getting playing time. And, and when I saw his name on the team sheet, I'm thinking, well, fuck yeah. You know, in a season where we're bringing in all these big transfers, you know, possibly his last season at Chelsea, you know, if he doesn't cut it this year, we would probably move him on. Um, I, this is a big season for him and a big match for him. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't what we would have wanted. 
It was a very forgettable performance. Um, I'll never forget it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, 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 was, it was definitely a memorable one for the, all, all the wrong reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with him, mainly because I, I really didn't think that Frank was going to play him much. We didn't see Frank use him too much when he came back at the end of last season. We knew he was going to try and ease him in this year, but um, you know, kind of looking back on the match, dare I say it, it might have been a good idea to play Ross there. It will get but, into him more. In yeah. Bit. Uh, don't, yeah. Don't, don't worry. I've got that what? prepared. You, you don't have the bus noise ready? <laughs> no, I got to pull the video up real quick. <laughs> Andreas, what about you? What what stuck out to you? Uh, for me, it was Aspie and Pulisic not making the starting 11. I mean, like Zach said, this whole week, we've been hearing about them doing well in practice. They're in all the team pictures. The way that both of these guys finished last season felt that, you know, they were probably top five and within Chelsea for in terms of performances. So yeah, I just thought it was kind of a surprise. I'm glad it was like a pleasant one just because like we alluded to earlier, maybe we've learned and, or maybe our physio team just got better and they just thought, Hey Frank, like if you can't beat Brighton without these guys then you're in a bigger, you're in bigger problems than you think because yeah, I'm glad they weren't rushed back in for a game that should have been winnable without them. <laughs> And I apologize, Andreas. I said earlier, like, I couldn't remember where I saw that someone said that, you know, he, he learned his lesson from Conte. I didn't realize I saw it from the script. That was something that you wanted to say. So <laughs> sorry for, uh, you know, take, taking credit for what you said. But um, for me, what really stood out was the absence of Cho. And it kind of worries me a little bit. It, you know, it gives a little bit of insight of what Frank's thinking. Um, you know, I think the decision to start RLC over Cho, it, it kind of just says how they're performing in training. Um, you know, I mean, we, we see all the clips of RLC in training. He looks like a god. You, you read all the quotes um, about how he just looks so dominant in training. He's always but... trained so well, though. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, so, so he's so, one of those players that yeah. always trains well. And so it just, you know, begs the question, like, what, what does Frank really think about Cho? Does he trust him in these big situations? Because it just sucks. Like, we're, yeah. you know, the club is paying him 100k plus weekly wages for him to just come late into matches and play some FA Cup matches. Like, yeah. you know, I understand the situation of why we gave him that contract. You know, there's Bayern was over there trying to steal him from us, but still, I mean, it's it's the same concept of what you said about RLC, or you know, that he still he has to prove himself. He's at this point where, you know, he he is on his last kind of you know opportunity to prove himself for what his worth is uh but you know he's not Joe's i, not I hope those he's like the opposite i hope he's the opposite of rlc though because like yeah. you guys said rlc practices like crazy but every I'm, manager has always like said that specifically rlc but, but cho performs yeah. when he plays he yeah. was our second behind i believe aspilicueta I believe he was second in assists in the Premier League. Cho, in limited minutes, was second wow. in assists. It's either second or third. I looked this up not too long ago. That's still, so, yeah. I mean, per, assist per match or whatever is probably by well, far. Well, no, 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 not per match. I know. I know. I know. I know, and I could co-sign this because I remember when we were going through like our end of the season pods, like I want to say at the end of last season, aka like a month and a half ago, but like we were going through stats and I remember Cho's assist stats surprised me considering 
the amount of minutes and, and, and appearances that he got. I don't know the exact number, but but I, I, I want to say something quick about Cho. Um, this was this was concerning. I, I, I don't think this is something that we can just kind of brush off as like, oh, you know, we had to show off our, you know, shiny 70 million pound new transfer. It wasn't about that. Um, Kai Havertz was out of shape. And I'm like, I know we'll, we'll get to talking about him a little later. But after watching him for maybe the first 15 minutes of that match, sucking in air, it, it begs you to think, you know, there has to be something that's going on that's prohibiting Cho from breaking through. And I, Frank spoke on it last season, and, and, and he mentioned, you know, like, now is his time. He has to step up and he has to show me that he's ready. And this was months ago. And we're still in the same spot. We haven't really moved forward. Now, he does still have benefit of the doubt with the injury and his age and everything. He could still come good. I'm not saying he's not going to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not speculating. But it does it does make somebody think, you know, what if he's My not thing good? My thing is like a 10-minute cameo. Yeah. But a, but a 10-minute cameo isn't going to show us what he's worth either. Like, if, if again, if, if, if the writing's in the paper that he, he puts great numbers when he plays and – and we see it when he gets a good run out, a 10-minute cameo here and there isn't going to show Frank anything different. No, but I'm saying based on what we saw from Kai specifically, the guy came in last week, and he left in the middle of a Germany camp where he was still unfit. He's not fit, and that's my point. And it's it's visibly obvious to me, and I never played in a professional level. And to be and also, and Cho has been in and around the squad and understands, you know, what Frank is trying to do as a manager. It, it would just make sense. Like, if 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 Willian was still in the squad, Willian would have started, and Havertz would have been on the bench. A hundred percent. And that's my point. You know, it's somebody that Frank doesn't trust yet. Yeah. And he's been there for a while, and he has gotten some time, and and he has had his moments. And I still think he could cut it. I, I there's no question in my mind that he's good enough to do it. It's just a matter of. Does Frank think he's ready, and does Frank think he's going to earn it over these guys? Because now he has a bigger problem than last year. The depth chart is twice as thick. Now you got six guys that could play in any of those positions. And see, this is another thing. Like, it, it, I don't think it, the decision was made based on um, the team we were playing. You know, Brighton is a big team, so mm-hmm. you know, trying to expose them with pacey players on the wing. You know, that's why he has Mason Mount and Kai Havertz out there. But I mean, Cho is as pacey as it gets. Like. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't, you know. He's a proper winger. Yeah. He's, he's the only natural winger that was available for this match. Right. And we opted not to play him so side with so, two wingers. Yeah, so it, I don't know if it had, I don't think it had to do with just the matchup, reason why he wasn't starting. I think it's a little bit more, I don't want to speculate too much, but, you know, I think it's just something to keep an eye on how, the, how yeah. that uh, situation unfolds. So, Let's go on. Let's move on. Before we get into all the detailed conversations uh, about the match, uh, our good friend Jonathan Kidd from the Chelsea Fancast. JK. Good friend. I want to say Zach. something quick about Jonathan yeah. Kidd before we get into this. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually talking to my fiance Natasha about this, and 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 Jonathan actually we met up with him um, at the Atlas. Um, and at the Cox Tavern, and and he actually walked with me and Natasha from the Cox all the way to Stamford Bridge, and we stopped by the uh, CFC UK stall, and he bought me and Natasha like Mark Worrell's like match day programs, which is really cool. And I don't know if I, I I don't know if JK remembers it, and I have a picture with him. I remember posting it a while back, but 
JK is as good as it gets. So, like, this is awesome that he finally asked a question on the pod. Proper lad. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, he basically wrote a script for us. I mean, actually, it's actually more of, like, one of those <laughs> shock jockey rants. Uh, but we'll go through his rant and simply just say yes or no uh, to his questions. Most likely yes. But, all right, first question. Was that perform- <laughs> Was that performance tonight shite? Yes. Yeah, it yes. was pretty bad. Was Havertz lousy? No. We'll get into that uh, more, I think, but may I think maybe. Was Loftus cheek useless? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Not not a single positive touch the whole match. Was Lamptey the best player on the pitch? <laughs> yes. Yes. Timo Werner, maybe, but I literally had that written in my notes, word for word. Lamptey the best <laughs> player on the pitch. Word for word in my notes. Um were Chelsea unbelievably lucky. Yes. Yes. I don't yeah, I don't think we should have won that match, but hey. Take a Reese James screamer any day. Uh did Frank actually have a plan? No. He, no? I think he did. It was just a bad Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, it was a plan, but not a good one, but That's 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 kind of what I mean. Yeah. Like there wasn't like a visible plan. It, it yeah. Why was Next there question. why why was there no pressing? Well, that's not really a yes or no question, but um, no no pressing. We'll, at so all. we'll get into that. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that. Did Adoy touch the ball? I think he did have a touch. He brought the ball down the a right couple wing touches. and <laughs> passed the back to Angolo Conte. A couple backwards passes here and there. One of the rare yep. accurate passes of the match. So I'll give that to him. What was the goal Kepa's fault? Yes. yes. I mean, I think the better question is, should he have saved that? Of course. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> should he? Should a normal goalkeeper have saved that? <laughs> not, not Kepa. Yes. <laughs> am I? Am, am I? And final question: Am I fed up? A thousand sure, percent. It sure sounds like it, J.K. Yeah, he. he yeah, if he's talking about himself, looks like it. For me, I don't know. I, I like Andreas talked about last week don't get too high on the team because there are, you know, after the match, they even asked Timo Werner about, uh, you know, this, this team's championship aspirations. He said, maybe not this year, but we're building on something like that's how fans, that's the mentality fans should have. But let's talk about the first half, both the bad and the good. We'll start off with the bad finish with the good. So first off, I mean, this was a glaring problem, just sloppy play. Brighton finished with 59% possession in the first half. Just overall inaccurate passing uh, from Chelsea. It seemed like we couldn't get three passes in a row without turning the ball over, uh, getting dispossessed. But, um, you know, just a lot of long balls over the top from the back line to, uh, you know, a small striker trying to hold up play. I don't think that's going to work. Kepa... Off that first set piece, I mean, that was the first set piece of the season, the corner that we had to defend. <laughs> and I, I literally, piece. I mean, I, I, as they were lining up, I like, you know, I'm watching my dad and I tell him, all right, this is the first set piece we got to defend this year. Let's see He's, how he, we do. He has to go out and he has to go out and punch someone in the head or punch the ball. <laughs> and like, he, he, he punched has to neither. do one of those two things. That's it. And he punched Those nothing. are his only two options. <laughs> and it's, and it's he funny. looked like a little kid. He looked like a little kid that lost his parents in line at an amusement park, and he was trying to dig through a crowd before jumping. It was so bad. It was I didn't all... even 
so I didn't bad. even want him to necessarily get the ball. I just wanted him to have a really respectable attempt at getting the ball. You know, if he went it for it and he didn't necessarily get it, I would have been like, okay, good. At least he's being more aggressive <laughs> this year. He's coming out on hey, crosses. What he did was more aggressive than what he did last year, but it's still not nearly aggressive enough. You can tell it's out of his nature, though. And and it, the the sad thing is, like, about, like, you know, a couple minutes before that, there was a play where, um, you know, the ball was bouncing towards the box and and uh, Zuma was going to head it, but Keppa yelled at him, let it go, let it go, let it go, and he caught it. And I was like, okay, Keppa talking, like, that's that's something I want to see, you know, uh, maybe there's a hope for him after all. And then, well, you know, not, not even two minutes thank later. Thank God our goalkeeper knows how to communicate with our defenders. Listen, this is this this is a breakthrough improvement, okay? <laughs> it, it, it should be something that naturally comes, but for I us... Wanna say, I, I, I want to say something about Keppa. Are, are, are we going to talk about the goal? Or, or are we going to get into in the second half? That's in the second half. Was it? Okay. Oh. The goal was in the second yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just about okay, the set okay, piece. Okay. So, Jorginho just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, every single pass he made was just like a, a, a pussy-footed ch- uh, pass. I don't know if that, <laughs> pussy-footed, like, isn't that, that, isn't he, that bad, man. he pussy-footed it. Like, he, is, he hit it with his, he hit it with his pussy-foot. Isn't that an actual phrase, pussy-footing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if yeah, that, no, you're that, right. Am I using yeah. it in the right yeah, context? Cool. Right, yeah, cool. it's a phrase. Then yeah, he... my, my thing. <laughs> but, yeah. Yo, you're 100 percent right. But I get on YouTube after this, and we I listen to or I watch our friend Jan's YouTube video, um, Football Therapies' channel for those of you guys listening, and he's telling uh, like I'm listening, and he says that Jorginho played a really good game. Am I the only one that didn't think so? What that he like, didn't have I a really good game. Thought I didn't think Jorginho had a good game. I no. think that his passing was off. I think that he was overcommitting himself on tackles that he full knows that if he doesn't get there, he's not going to be able to get back. Mm-hmm. Like, I just like Keppa was trying to do too much and trying to come out for a corner and then he did poorly, I thought Jorginho did the same thing defensively and was trying to cover ground as if he's in Golo Conte and failing. Yeah, I should I should have put that as my biggest surprise of the starting 11 Jorginho (laughs) I think it's a little harsh because I think with Frank's system I mean we we talked about it all last season this is what Frank's about he defends from from the forward back our number nine is our first line of defense our pressing in our front three was awful and Ruben was nowhere to be seen for that second line of, uh, of initial press that pivot is there for that you know that second wave when they break through that first line, that first line was non-existent today, and it basically made Jorginho and Conte play a two-man midfield because our number ten was nowhere to be seen. Our wingers weren't tracking back. I think we saw that a lot in this game, especially on that on that Lewis dunk header. The first person that you know, Reese James turns around and looks, and Kai Havertz is like walking back. I mean, obviously because he's tired, but I mean that's obviously somebody that he should have tracked, you know. And 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 it just kind of adds to my point the whole front line of defense just kind of blew up our whole defensive scheme for the whole entire game. No, and, yeah, and it, and it was left Jorginho completely vulnerable. But, but like, I'm not saying he played a good game. That, that That's not my point. But I, ju- I do think it's a little harsh because Jorginho is being used there out of necessity right now because we don't have another person that's capable of, you know, playing in, the, in, in, in deep in midfield. And 
he didn't feel comfortable starting Aspie. Reese James would have been the only other person that played there. Jorginho had to play today. No, I mean, yeah, if you run a 4-2-3-1, which, mm-hmm. again, I'll get to it. I don't think you have to run that formation. Like, my thing was, if you're going to be doing the pressing, you're right. RLC was garbage because Timo was doing the first initial pressing, and then the wingers were up tight. There yeah. was always an open pass in the middle. But, again, if the next person that's coming out of his line is one of our pivot, make it be Conte. Like, yeah. Jorginho, you're the team captain. You know more than anybody on this field that you're the slowest person out there. Like, he is literally the slowest and arguably the least physical on the pitch. So why put yourself in a situation where you're pressing uh, Bissouma? Is that his name for Brighton? Who is a freaking specimen in in the team-lying midfield and try to body him? Like, that's my issue. That was my issue because then, again – a problem that's going to get solved with other players. Jorginho steps out of line. We don't have a leader in the back four right now without Aspie or Thiago Silva that then tells yeah. the back line to also step. So wow. then there's a huge, huge gap behind Jorginho and Conte. And in this, in the first 20, 25 minutes, we talked about our sloppy passing, tie that up with our sloppy defending that, in my opinion, revolved around Jorginho alongside RLC, who we'll talk about in a second. and. We just looked lost for a solid 30 minutes in the first half. Sorry, Andres. I said wow because you said we don't have a leader out there like Aspi or Thiago Silva. And then it just <laughs> kind of hit me again. That, this is the kind of insight. This is the kind it's of going to in- take me a while. Yeah, no, no. Right. I, I, I like the sound of it. This is the but, kind but, of insight <laughs> you get from a podcast like this, Andres, with, yeah. the, with the fine details. I, I, I didn't even – see, like in my notes for the match – I, I put in the first 10 minutes, Conte looked great. Jorginho looks terrible. Like I, I was not happy with what he did. And, you I, know, I, I can't, I can't like notice what you're saying right now. Like I, I didn't see that. So thank you for that. I'm, sorry, Zach. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. But um, I do want to say big shout out to Graham Potter. I think this tactics were spot on. Andres, you talked about how there was a lot of space in the midfield. He, if you notice, the wingbacks were tucking in inside. Like Tarek Lamptey had a lot of touches in midfield today, and they were getting a lot of yeah. a, a lot of yeah, and and that's how they were getting most of their attacks started. You know, Tarek Lamptey or the other wingback, I forget his name, would either come inside, pick up the ball, and play that you know initial pass to kickstart a, a counter. Whenever we got on their half of the pitch, it was spot on. I think he's a good manager. And I think this Brighton team's actually. It was it was Sully March, dude. That guy was all the two wingbacks for Brighton were the two best players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sully March, that's it. He was awesome. I heard that name way too much. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. You already talked. You mentioned this, Andreas. RLC's performance. I mean, just looked like a completely different player out there. I don't know if it's you know the injury history and like maybe that's in his head or maybe he's the injury actually physically inhibited him him in some way but uh, i said this earlier he had he did not have one positive touch the whole match either getting dispossessed by a bad dribble or a bad pass uh i i could not believe what i was seeing like i I wanted him pulled immediately at halftime it took it took frank 10 minutes yeah make it took frank you know 10 minutes of second half play to see that you know he's got to take him out Put in Ross Barkley. Oh, actually, we'll talk about that second half. But um, 
RLC is just that performance was god awful. Andres, you want to start off talk about what what you saw? Well, or what we didn't see. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm still I'm still like having these crazy dreams that the RLC we saw at the back end of sorry season come yeah. back. And even in the preseason game against Brighton, he looked a lot better than he did today. So it, he played in the same spot or it felt like it, but he would like half commit to pressing and then he wouldn't even track back. It almost looked at times that he was side by side with Timo Werner and he was ahead of him you know, a lot of the time too. <laughs> yeah. He was higher up the and, and the thing is, is like, there's been talks and we talk about the whole laziness thing. These were things that were rumors back when he was under Mourinho's second stint about how like RLC whack when he wore number 36, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like he's just not giving it a good shot or whatever. And I, I mean, at this point, what is there to motivate you besides the fact that we are making big moves and mixing it with young blood? And guess what? Those younger guys, because you're no longer the young guy, are kicking butt too. Like, dude, wake up. It just felt like he just wasn't in the game. I, I don't think it's a – I don't know if it's fear. Like you said, it must be either a mix – it must be a fear of the, of the injury or something because I can't picture him not realizing, hey, I need to bust my ass and earn my spot and guess what week one Koba is hurt or Koba can't play this is my best shot to have like a good game and he just looked uninterested I I honestly thought you know after the game of course because before the game I I, I love the idea of him starting but immediately after the game and seeing what Ross did when he came on it made me think you know you're actually lucky to be starting over Ross like a hundred percent I thought Ross was gonna start what else is there to, you know, kind of light the fire under you to get you up and running? And I, I don't want to use the the whole, you know, preseason um, excuse because I, I feel like the end of last season was his preseason. You know, he had time to get fit. He had time to get his body right, his mind right. You know, he, he, he knew he was going to have the same chance. manager next season. You know, so, so there's stability within the club at least. And now they bring in more back-to-back starts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And more competition comes in. Like I said earlier, now we literally have what four, maybe five guys that could play the number 10. He gives it to Ruben game number one of the season. I don't want you to necessarily put up a stormer or, you know, have a good game per se, because it is the first game of the season and the rest of the team did play like shit, but show me something, you know, show me that you at least won it, you know, give me a hard challenge or, you know, try to take on a couple players, run at people. He's not, he's not doing that anymore. And that's something that we kind of talked about with his whole Achilles injury was, you know, is he going to be the explosive beast, you know, cause he, he was a specimen, you know, he's six, three, six, four, absolutely massive and Quick. moves like a running back running at you with a football, with a soccer ball. It's, it's it's he had he has all the tools and yeah the thing is at the end of, and the reason why I think we're all frustrated is because at the end of last season we were we saw some glimpses where we said okay he has his athleticism still it's still there and it's still visibly there I think I I, I think we could see it at least he's not as big and he's not as powerful but he could still move everything but we're was... not seeing it at all on the ball he's playing as yeah. is, as if he's Fabregas. 
you know, he's, he's just kind of playing still when he receives it, or he'll take two or three touches yeah. too many into pressure and lose it. And it was just, it was concerning if I'm going to be honest, but I, I'm not going to be completely down on him. I think he's going to get another chance and I hope he does well, but I hope this is a wake up call. Yeah, Zach, what, everything we're saying right now, I, I guarantee you Ruben is fully aware of it and I'm sure he's probably really down on himself understands like the kind of opportunity that he had to start today and not performing up to it. Uh, I'm not, I'm not giving up on him, obviously. Me but, neither. Me neither. Um, I want so, that to be like noted. Yeah. yeah. But because uh, we're just, being really harsh on him. Yeah. But we, it was, and we, we, we well said it warranted. time and time again, like this is the season for him. So, it's, so he has to show up, you know, there's, there's no other option for him. Otherwise he's going to yeah. get sold. I mean, it's not, yeah, exactly. Everything we're saying is not in the, in the sense that we're giving up. It's more just along the lines of, he, he he realized the opportunity. He messed it up. So hopefully he gets another chance. Let's let's move on to the the good of the first half. Um, I mentioned this earlier. I thought Timo Werner might have been the best player on the pitch. I mean Turbo Timo, that nickname is <laughs> is perfect. Is perfect for him. I mean that like his first two runs of the match were offsides. So... They were both offsides because he's so fast. Like I think. You know, like something that that's something that we need to get used to as fans. You know, with pace like that, but also over time, I think his teammates will adapt to the timing because of just how. I, that's absurdly, what I was gonna say. I don't yeah. think Alonzo and the other players are used to the fact that he's gonna if he's already pointing. By the time be, you better you better yeah. already kick it because he's gonna be there. Yeah, and then earned earned a uh, penalty kick off a bad pass from uh, Mason Mount. He really made something out of nothing. Just zoomed past the defender to the past the goalkeeper, taken down by the keeper. I mean, this is the that right there. And then Georgina Who passed the ball to him. It was Mason Mount. I'm, I'm no, ninety-nine percent sure. Yeah, it was a bad pass. Yeah, it was a bad pass. But it was Jorginho. Uh, Sorry, it was, was it Jorginho? It was Jorginho who had a really bad game. No, no, no. I take it back. Jorginho assisted. Reese James. Yeah, he, he assisted Reese James. It was Mace Mount. Mace no, Mount. no, it was. But, but but he made the pass that earned the penalty. He passed it to Timo. I don't think so. I'll look up the video Maybe right you're... now I while you guys did. while you guys talk about it. I know but, he did. Um... That's part of the reason why I don't think he had like an awful game. But anyways, I mean, he, the ball landed. I mean, that that was just you can't mess awareness. that up and still made a oh, bad pass. Great awareness. The ball landed on him. <laughs> That was the was one lucky. bad pass Brighton had in the first half. It was the one moment of execution that we had all game. And it was a bad pass from Jorginho. It was, it all was Jorginho, Timo you're right. But, uh... It was all Timo, though. That that pass was nowhere near Timo. He just has incredible three-step burst in his speed. The Brighton defense was like, oh, shit, we thought Ryan was going to get to it. <laughs> but no, Timo Werner <laughs> is a bad motherfucker. He got to the ball, and he earned a penalty. And I think it's BS that we let Jorginho take it because I want Timo to win the golden boot, and that would have been his first goal. And it's and it's crazy how we're talking trash about him, and I'm just realizing that he ended the match with a goal and two assists. So, <laughs> but uh, just one assist. One assist. He, he didn't he assist, assist the for, Reece... He doesn't get an assist for the PK. No, for Reese James, his goal. That's I just one. That's, one. that's it. And then this one. Oh, duh. What am I saying? Yeah, this. uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I'll I'll count this as an assist um, by myself. But I count the assist to Timo Werner, not not (laughs) Jorginho. Facts. Yeah, Zach, that was a bad pass. Come on. Uh, Zuma, the next. Monster. Yeah. Air Zuma. 
I think that's I think that's a great nickname. <laughs> I love that. But Andreas Thanks, coined guys. that. Air Zuma. <laughs> yeah. Literally winning every everything in the air. Winning everything. So um somehow ending the half with a one nil lead, really unjustified one nil lead. They should have they had a couple opportunities to have scored and uh we had one half of, of an opportunity. Actually oh yeah, let's let's let us let us move on to the second half because at halftime we can all, all just agree that subs are desperately needed and you know, Brighton had the ball most most of the half. We like we really just were playing on the break, only created off you know, quick counters. So we, yeah, our our only offense was Timo's run runs. Mm-hmm. That's it. And Lampard yeah. didn't make any changes on, on yeah. counter attacks. Yeah. yeah, like did you guys think that was? It not was not a great... the plan. It was not the plan. But I think the Mourinho play... I... Mourinho would have pulled people, and we've seen yeah. Lampard be harsh, which is why I was yeah. shocked because he pulled Emerson in twentieth minute against Arsenal mm-hmm. when Emerson was playing bad. So I thought, okay, he gave RLC a full half. Obviously, that's not working. They're bossing us in midfield add a third midfielder make it a 4-3-3 and at least sure up the middle with two attacking eights that can alternate breaking through the middle and you you will have far more output out of the guys that are looking okay right now yeah but what i mean again it was surprising i I, I was i was very surprised so on to the second half again we'll start off with the bad and with the good and on a good yes (laughs) So yeah, Zach, this this is your chance to talk about that uh, that Kepa goal. I mean, the fact that this game Kepa in the bad. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that goal perfectly summed up the worst aspect of that game in isolation, which was our pressing from the front because Mason Mount did not close down on Trossard um, at all, um, which is something that you don't really associate Mason Mount with. But then it also highlighted the overarching theme of our last, what, two and a half seasons um, of Kepa being our worst player on the pitch. I I know we have a Twitter question a little later, um, but this is Kepa's fault, right? Like, there is... I, I know Mason Mount didn't close out on the player, and I don't, I'm not hearing this, you know, the ball was dipping and it had spin on it and it was in the far corner. It Kepa went under jumped, his arm. Kepa jumped over the ball. And I, I I get it. If you're if your view's inhibited, if you can't see, fine. But if that's the case, you readjust your position so you can see the fucking ball. Kepa's starting he position, Trossard hit it was all the way on the left-hand side. He was nowhere to be seen. He looked like he was setting up a wall on a goal kick, on a free kick. So I'm not buying the whole, you know, oh, his view, he he couldn't see, the ball was dipping, Mason Mount didn't close down. It was, I'm not buying any of that. I hate that justification. He should have gotten a hand to that ball. If you want to finish in the top four, top two, you want to win the fucking league, you got to have a top keeper. I cannot think of any team that has ever won the Premier League that did not have a top keeper. Not one single team. So you look at teams like Liverpool, who literally had their team pretty much set in stone, right? And the only thing that prevented them from winning the Premier League and the Champions League was a bad keeper. 
they upgraded. They won the Premier League. They won the Champions League. Manchester City, pet project. They bring in Claudio Bravo because he could play with his feet. What happens? They don't win shit their first year. They bring in a top keeper, someone that could actually save a shot and play with his feet in Ederson, and they win a league. We're one piece away. The, I don't think, and, and, and we're going to get onto it, and I think the two best players on the day were Zuma and Christensen. So I don't necessarily think that our center backs are the problem here. Like, it, it, it's so blatantly obvious that if we had a keeper back there that could stop a shot, it, it would be a huge difference maker. And I think it's a blessing in disguise that we won today because now Frank could go up to the board and or whoever he needs to speak to, Peter Cech, walk right into his office and say, look, we walked into the season. I stuck with this guy. We're lucky we got a victory. Whatever deal is on the cards, I know our our good friend Fabrizio says that Mendy deal is pretty much done. We need to get him in, and we need to get him with the squad as soon he, as possible. He better be announced tomorrow. Yeah, like I need him in training tomorrow morning. Strict, even if it's just for the competition to hide something under his ass, because I don't, I don't necessarily think that he's the guy who's going to make the, dis- the change. You know, but, beyond but, it, but, I, but Mendy can it. be the stopgap for one season. I went like, into this. Yeah, point, I don't know. I went into this season with a sort of an open mind on Keppa. You know, I was saying maybe he could turn it around. I'm not completely opposed to the idea of, you know, giving him another shot. I'm done. I've only seen one game and I'm done. Yeah. He doesn't get the RLC treatment. Uh, Andreas, do you want to add anything on top of all this shit that yeah. Zach just dumped on all Keppa? All I was going to say... Yeah, just quickly, like, Zuma and Christensen fantasy owners feel wrongly done by because they <laughs> did deserve a clean sheet, man. So that was, again, yeah, Brighton played a hell of a game, but aside from the Lewis dunk chance, that shouldn't have gone in. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think Edward Mendy is probably quicker than not going to become the starter, even if it's just for one season. But... Yeah, the moment that guy gets through the door and actually stops things, I think it'll be a different look. All right, let's move on. Marco Salon slow. Um, he he looked really bad. I mean, he got absolutely destroyed by Tariq Lamptey. Um, what do you guys expect, though? It, I was just about <laughs> to say, like, it's 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 literally just the worst it, matchup. It had well, well, I was just gonna I was gonna say something different that every ex Chelsea player just falls out against us. But <laughs> like, <laughs> and, but I mean, the only time I really got to see him was uh, the Arsenal match. And he did really well. Yeah. He did and... a lot of the same things in that match that he does for Brighton. <laughs> yeah. So did we, did we really give up that nice of a right back? I don't know, but uh... I mean, we'll get to that later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We do have a, we do have a lengthy, section but uh alonzo i mean like this i cannot wait for joel to get back he was he yeah. was he was slow he was not adding to anything losing l- losing the Zero ball combination for right and losing the ball up high up on the pitch just ex- completely exposing that left side i mean it was not a good outing for him yeah um i feel bad for mount that's all I gotta say. There's yeah, zero. Yeah. Like, There's the a guy reason took why like eight touches before releasing the ball every time that we switch. We would do the right thing by switching the ball quickly to the left side, and then it would die because yeah. by the time that Alonso would pick his head up, the whole Brighton defense 
having been given 10 seconds to get to the other side of the pitch. It's it's he, incredible how different this guy is when he plays in his natural position versus at left back. I I don't I don't know. I think Alonso is one of those players that just needs to play either the big game or in his position to perform, and he just didn't care for this game. Mm-hmm. Alonso is one of those players that needs one touch to be effective, but if you give him more than that and uh-huh. time and space to think, by the time he reacts, his body's not quick enough, and I, and he always does that thing where. After we after we get a switch from the right hand side and it and it filters through our center backs and it goes to Alonso he'll take a touch another touch and then maybe another touch wide and he does that thing where he just kind of like it, like he doesn't even aim he just kind of clips a ball down the left wing and just kind of hopes it gets to somebody and nine times out of ten it was Mason Mount on Lewis Dunk who was filling in that gap he was just like Alonso's just trying to ping balls in over their wing back. But it was going straight to Lewis Dunk or whoever their center back was every single time. Ben was, White. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's so frustrating. It was really frustrating today. But you know, Lamp said after the game, and I think it's something that's important. You know, they asked him about the four two three one and if we're going to see it again. And Lampard said, you know, basically, I'm. I don't think it's fair to 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 put one system on us. Like we could play a lot of different shapes. I have a lot of different players. And I think he kept Alonzo specifically for a back three because that's the only time he's ever effective. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it was, was, that was, it was that, uh, the only reason why you saw was him out there was because was based off necessity. But um, yeah, let's move on. So RLC we already talked about, but <laughs> quick shout out to Ross Barkley. He he made yeah. an impact at least compared to RLC. I'm not sure if because when he came on it was like around the 60th minute. We definitely improved, and I don't know if it was because RLC was taken off or it was because Ross Barkley was put on, but I choose to believe it was because of Ross Barkley. Um, <laughs> still still the same issues. His his decisiveness in the final third is terrible. Um, but, yeah. I mean, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't the same Ross as before, you know, making one first-time passes, like, actually... You know, preseason build... Ross. Get yeah, used to preseason and <laughs> FA Cup Ross. Uh, to I swear, no, 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 I want FA Cup Ross. Yeah, give me FA Cup. No, Ross. but I agree with you. He came on and like within like ten seconds of being on the pitch, he had like two, three combinations where ball came to feet, ball came out of feet, two other players right away, and I was like, wow, RLC yeah. literally would have tried turning and losing it, or he would have lost in his first touch based on how he played today. Um, I think, but yeah, I I specifically brought it up brought this point up because the one chance that RLC was given to shine and get a little <laughs> bit of like a redemption. He was outperformed he by the literally boss. overthought a pass sideways to the fastest guy on the pitch where he had nobody in front of him but the goalkeeper and hesitated. That was bad. And then, then we gave yeah, it was awful. And then we gave Ross props, but then Ross does the exact same thing when we're up three to one. And Timo literally has done everything possible to earn himself a goal. That was just as bad. Doesn't pass that, him the ball. That's literally Ross Barkley's trademark. Is like a a four v two. Ross has the ball <laughs> in the middle, and he just doesn't know who to pass it to, and he trips. The, you that, know, you know just, that, that's a, that's that's his charm. You know, you, you got to take the good with like, the bad. <laughs> or he'll elect to like shoot it from thirty five out and do the same exact dipping shot he does every time, where it goes like straight to the keeper. <laughs> and it has a, like, a lot of like. Downspin. One but time really out of 20, it'll go in, Zach. Really oh, quick. 
okay. so um I, I do think our game uh, kind of moved up a notch. Like, he gave us really good energy off the bench. And you could see before he came on, Lampard was kind of giving him directions about where to go defensively. Uh, and I think he added a lot defensively for us. Something we don't talk a lot about with Ross Barkley is when he's not doing a lot offensively, his work rate is pretty good. Um, yeah. So, you know, we got a lot more mobile, I guess you could say, in the midfield because we had someone that was actually willing to run and, and do the hard yards. So it was good Perfect. to see. All right, let's let's do our last bad of the second half and move on to the good. So uh, I thought it was pretty bad that we didn't see Cho until the 80th minute. Um, we desperately needed his width. Um, we, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the 4 uh, 2 I would have elected for the 4-3-3 bring him in, um, moving Kai Havertz back uh, to the midfield. But, I mean, he was subbed in for Kai Havertz. So, obviously, that's not happening. But, um, again, we already talked about how we feel about the whole Cho situation. I don't know if you, either of you guys have anything you want to add about his performance or what we saw. Well, just quickly touch on it again. I mean, the guy is a natural winger, and – I mean, he didn't do much, but you could tell he was trying to, like, he would receive the ball and he wouldn't hesitate to start making the next move, whether he was passing the ball backwards or even, like, put his head down and dribble or, or pass it wide and then go for the overlapping run. Like, he was trying to move the ball quick against, essentially, a back five. Yeah. So the fact that it took that long for a guy that would have, at this, again, we talked about potentially making subs at halftime and changing things up. It could have been more dynamic, and I think that's what really upset me is that you have that electric player that can add a little bit of energy into your side and, and it waited till the 80th minute. Yes, we were able to close the game down by then, but at the time, it felt like it was such a necessity. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I really I, – I don't have much to add on the whole Cho thing, but um, besides what Andre said, except for one thing um, – when he did come on, like like you said, Andres, he was looking for options. He wasn't being he, – he didn't look like he did last season or at least in the beginning of last season when he came back where he was just looking for the sideways pass. He was receiving the ball and he was facing the goal. All his touches would set him up to face the goal. And I just think that's something positive that we see. I, I don't think hunger's the issue with them like we said in the beginning. I think it's more – something between him and Frank or the way he's training. It's something behind the scenes. And I think a lot of uh, what Cho does is pretty predictable. So, yeah, I mean, and I know that he does a sideways pass, but I think he, he does a lot of, you know, going wide, cutting in, going for far post. Like, you know, he does the same thing over and over again, but I thought he, he, he showed a little bit. I don't know how we're supposed to get anything out of 10 minutes of play, whatever. Um, let's move on to the good. Well, we got to start off. Reese James, that absolute rocket out of nowhere. Uh, I needed that mentally because it came immediately after the Kepa blunder to yep. tie it. Um, I mean, it was like within like 40 seconds. So I was just like, you know, like just screaming and pissed Our off group about text Kepa. Was going through a roller coaster of emotions. It was literally. Oh my like, god! It was unbelievable. Oh! <laughs> well, you know. You know, my problem was that I was watching it on my laptop and I would get the score updates before I would see it 
You gotta turn computer. off your notifications, Zach. That's a rookie move. Uh, so so so, so I saw that Brighton scored. I saw that Brighton scored, and I'm watching, and I'm like, oh fuck, how the hell did this happen? And I didn't check my phone, but I I, I just texted you know something in the group chat, you know, basically fuck off, Keppa. Didn't check my phone for maybe two or three minutes until Reese scored, and oh my god. It was a it was a panty dropper. <laughs> we actually got a question Perfect. from uh, Russell Sanders, uh, one of our favorite followers. Saunders. Yeah, uh, Saunders. Yeah, it's not Sanders. Saunders. You're right. There's no typo. Yeah. Russell Saunders at Mr. Grumpy and Oz. Uh, he wants us to spend half the podcast on that beauty of a shot. So we we've done. We've, we're recording for 50 minutes, so let's just go another 50 minutes talking All about right. that shot. Let me let me set this up. <laughs> let me set this up. It was a bright evening at the Amex. The ball is played drifted left. Jorginho recovers. Sees no pass forward. Somehow, Reese James has drifted from his wide right position to the middle of the park. He takes a touch, another long touch, and out of nowhere, he uses all his might to drive through in an outside curling shot that never looked like it was going down, hits the top of the net. And Paul Ryan says to himself, blimey, Mike, I would have <laughs> never reached that shot to save my life. And Reese James goes to the corner because he forgets that there's no fans there uh, yeah. and then turns around because he says, oh, I need to celebrate with my teammates because no fans are going to get up for this because they're all at home. And he gave us the lead. Wow. Have you ever well considered <laughs> going into voice acting? Because that, that really got me, gave me goosebumps. Get up, but... Jonathan Kidd. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, but the, but uh, the, the all or nothing, the all or nothing documentary is also making me practice my Mourinho. But I'll save that for later. It's good. I've heard from the voice memos. It's good. Um, but let's talk a little, just really quickly about his overall play. Um, oh, 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 do I get to say anything about that goal? I mean, I don't know if you can top Andres' description of it, but uh, go ahead, man. I, I, no, no. It's something that's important, um, especially his from first the, Premier League goal, by the way. Yeah, which is surprising because he has an eye for goal. Like, he goes for I, it, I mean, but, yeah. we can't forget the Ajax goal mm-hmm. um, in the Champions League. But um, it's something interesting with Reese is the last couple seasons, we've been missing that player that just kind of takes initiative at the top of the box and just has a pop. Um, and I think it's, it, it's really refreshing to see that we have a fullback that's willing to do that where he can tuck inside. Cause when he hit that shot, he was still playing fullback mind you. So yeah. it was, it was him that drifted inside, saw that space, collected the pass. And I don't think he took a second touch on Jez. I'm pretty sure it was first time because I remember after his first touch, I got, I like got a, because I, I knew he was just gonna smack it. It was too good of a first touch to not to not get it right. But it's it's something that we can use um, as another option for attack, like moving on. Especially if we have to play him as like a CDM in the future. Now teams have to step up and close down on him because the dude's the dude could score goals. He already has one in the Champions League and now you know one in the Premier League here. So and and in the he, FA Cup, De Gea had like a fantastic save to stop really him from doing save. that while he was yeah. in the wide. So so I mean. Semifinals, if, yeah. if this shot today gives him the green light to try it more, I mean, I don't think any of us are going to think twice once he no. does it. That's the thing. I want him doing this more. Zach, it was two touches. He received the ball, he touched him, then he, he shot it. Don't, don't don't hate on the on the description. But, I mean, just go, Zach, 
go you already you mentioned you know him his ability to find space but i mean in addition he assisted zuma's clincher from the you yeah. know from the corner kick uh andreas i mean how, what do you think about him taking corners i know obviously with ziak out he'd probably be the guy up there but yeah, I mean, Ziyech, Ziyech is left-footed, so you probably want him to take the other side just so that you have that ball swinging away from the keeper. Um, if he takes both, I don't, I wouldn't mind either, but Reese taking corners may be the biggest upgrade in set-piece delivery we've ever had. I, we didn't hit the front man, guys. We didn't. The one time we did was not the actual front man. It was a set cross to go to the front post, and I believe it was either Kai or Christensen that tried getting there and just got beat by the defender. So those set corners were gorgeous. I, I was so happy to see Reese taking corners today. Sorry, yeah. William. No, it's, it's, it is an upgrade on corners and it's nice not to hit the first man. It's so nice, but what Reese <laughs> offers us is flexibility. I think, um, especially after this game, we don't really have a natural defensive mid uh, behind Conte. And the Declan Rice deal is, yes. is, <laughs> hasn't happened. So as of right now, he's our backup, our only natural backup who has a defense-first mentality um, that could play there. So I think we might be seeing a little more of Reese James in the midfield. I mean, we saw him shift there when he brought on Aspie. We've seen, we've seen uh, Lampard do that a lot with him last season. It's like that bit of Mourinho in him. Um, where he just kind of wants to like shore the game up, um, but yeah, no, no complaints with Reese James. I think uh, the English talent at the right back position is just stupid right now, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, he's probably going to suffer from it. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a fantastic player. And you know, we we mentioned Zuma's goal, uh, him and Christensen together. That duo was just really solid. Um, I just love you know Christensen. Saved a goal right at the end with a block uh, or towards the end of the match. Just overall had a really great, great match as far as like his distribution and just defensively as well. Um, but uh, Zuma, the, the thing I love about him is just like he, he's always down to go after it. You know, like every single match, there is one moment in particular where he was like really high up the pitch and like he was ready to attack into the box, but there was like a there was a foul called and he was like upset that he had to like run back on defense, but you know just like it it just rem- nothing will I will never forget that moment. I think it was the, was it it was the Ajax game where he got the ball and dribbled it up the pitch, did a couple <laughs> you know over the over the ball moves, step and just, overs. yeah step overs and just <laughs> shanked it completely like. I actually thought to that, start the half. Yeah, actually, down four to one. So, like you know, those kind of moments, like it, it just makes you love him as a player and as a person. Like he's just always, you know, he always gives gives one hundred and ten percent. I'm yeah. I'm all for this go when we play against smaller forwards because obviously Zuma will trump them physically, but it allows Christensen to just let his brain do the work. And I don't know how many passes like he read perfectly where the forward thought he was going to get behind Christensen and Christensen was just always had his foot in the right place and had our, had our midfield actually been up for it today would have been multiple chances (laughs) 
that would start from Christensen winning the ball back while Brighton was transitioning. But that's something to discuss another time. These two guys played great today. Yeah, they, they were they were the two best players on the pitch for me, um, like across the whole match. And I think it speaks volumes to how how obvious a lack of protection was in front of them. Um, I think it was again, you know, it was our it was our forward line in midfield that kind of let them down today. But um, overall, really really positive signs. You know, Christensen was extremely solid. He was super calm on the ball. Um, and he was pinging it, which is something I haven't seen in a while from him. Um, normally, it's Zuma or Rudiger doing it, um, but I think I think that's a combination that I wouldn't mind seeing, um, especially you know if Thiago Silva is gonna you know remain unfit or not be fit for next week. Um, I think Christensen and Zuma definitely kind of stake their claim here as look like I'm not gonna be shifted that easily. They put in a really good performance. I'm excited for them, and honestly. No complaints if they start next week against Liverpool. All right, before we end the the, the match recap, let's just quickly talk about Kai Havertz because uh, he didn't really fit in either the bad or the good. I thought he was just, like, neutral. Um, just quickly, I want to go over his stats. 88% pass accuracy, 35 touches, 7 recoveries, 3 tackles, 1 take on completed, 1 chance created. One bad switch across the field, but did earn possession right back after his mistake, which I loved. That was that was great, him tracking back. And, you know, not, not necessarily a world-class performance, but I think he had a solid match overall in a match where not many players stood out. Uh, you could see that he's just so, so smooth running through the pitch, and um, I think that he, he's not best utilized on the wing. Uh, I want to, I'll start off with you, Zach. I mean, what did you think overall of his performance, and then what I had to say about him, you know, playing on the wing. Um, in general, I, I I'm not down on his performance. It wasn't great, like Lampard said. You know, he didn't put on a highlight show, but there were some things um, that were definitely positive that we saw. Um, the way he his first touch on the ball, first of all, is ridiculous. I think you could tell by the way just based on his first touch that he's a classy player but he has this ability to sort of like glide across the pitch and he's also deceivingly fast on that one play where he tracked back um and made that tackle he he was kind of jogging at first like debating whether to track back or not and then once he really kicked it in gear i mean he made up the yards pretty fast so lots of positives with him um i think it was kind of harsh to start him and expect a performance or expect something you know miraculous um, you know, this is still a young player. I think I think Chelsea fans have to understand that. Um, it just kind of highlights how if any one of these signings were going to hit the ground running in an attacking sense, it was Timo Werner because he's obviously the most polished out of out of all of them. Um, right. So with with Kai, it's going to take time. Um, but but I but I definitely think I, I still stand by my my, my old claim. Um, this guy is going to be our long term Hazard replacement. If he would have played up the middle, he would have had two assists that RLC yeah, and Barkley stole from Werner. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he. I thought he was fine. I mean, I I want Havertz in the middle and not on the outside. Like that's not where he needs to be. It was out of necessity, slash whatever's going on with Cho. And yeah, I just think that I don't think he was ready to train. Like he didn't train to be on the right this week. And. Mm-hmm. 
I think it was like almost a game time decision to not go ahead and play, you know, Pulisic on the left and maybe Mount on the right or vice versa. Uh, and then before we wrap up, let's just quickly mention Tariq Lamptey. I, I don't, I didn't look up who actually won one of the ma- man of the match, but he probably deserved Reece it. Reese James did. Reese James did. Okay, well, because they goal won. and assist. Yeah, uh, eighty-two touches. Eight final third entries, uh, seven duels won, six penalty area entries, five recoveries, four crosses, three interceptions, three tackles, two chances created, an assist, and a stat you didn't include on here, Andreas, a meg. He just megged the shit out of Marcus Alonso at one point (laughs) and destroyed him. Uh, How soon will we (laughs) regret selling him, especially like such a low-key deal that happened in January? Like. (laughs) That no one even thought about. I don't even no. think we even talked about it. No, don't don't even let this performance make you think that he would have made a difference for us because he would have been our third choice right back behind Aspie and Reese James. So mm-hmm. this kid, unfortunately, was never going to make it here, no matter how we draw it up. I'm very happy for him, and also these stats are ridiculous for a right back slash right wing back. Um, but yeah, good for the kid. Uh, he's feisty, he's quick, and he wanted to prove Chelsea wrong. And I think he he was the best player until Reese James said, "Hold up, let me just be the man of the match and and finish this game off almost by myself." So good, good for him. But I don't regret selling him for about three million pounds. By the way, that's how much it uh, ended up costing. But the price he had like six there. months left in his deal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, all right. So before we get into our final thoughts on the match, uh, we got comeback of a great, great segment. Quick thoughts with Nick Lennartson. Uh, uh, I've totally forgot to get the national anthem, Swedish national anthem again, but just imagine in your head. Here we go. RLC, not good enough. He looks slow and out of form. All right, next point. Keppa, that goal has your name written all over it. <laughs> Reese, what a goal to start your EPL scoring. Werner was top class. Havertz, okay debut. And that was quick thoughts with Nick Lenartson. In- intriguing. Zach, uh, I think the new addition to this is... Uh, Quick thoughts with Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme, aka Ron. Zach, would you would you be do the honors of uh, reading quick thoughts with Bone Daddy Deluxe? Sure, aka uh, Zar Ron. <laughs> um, happy with the win. Me too. Uh, but we miss a creative player out there. Hate to say it, but once the bus came on, things changed. <laughs> Shout out to song. I think that one was for you. Um, the agenda against us has even gone to the audacity of saying Jorginho stole his pen-taking technique to the real fraud. And <laughs> that I think he's referring to Messi, I mean uh, Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> I get those Why two do mixed I always up get that mixed time. up? I, I always get it mixed up. Yeah, Man. yeah same, cl- uh, same thing, same thing. Um, glad to see Nick Lenartsen's back. Wow. So are we. Isn't that nice? A little bit of uh, Rep Ultra camaraderie. <laughs> Zuma and AC were good and can only get better with Silva in the fold. That one I cannot agree with more. Spot on, Ron. Timo is the real deal. He's on fire, guys. 
Ziyech is going to do wonders in this team. I like that last point. Truth. Which was interesting, because Ziyech would have been the one that probably would have started on the right um, if we were at full strength. I mean, he started off by saying we're missing a creative player out there. That's yeah, the guy. I think, I think that's excited. the guy. That is the guy. They look so good in preseason, him and Werner, so I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Uh, okay, overall final thoughts on the match. Like uh, at Chelsea Eric uh, on Twitter said, three goals and a win on the day. The team didn't look good, but why would anyone doubt us? <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe a little bit of a I doubt. I love it. <laughs> but I love the confidence. Nick Lenartson wants to add, we need Kova, Silva, and Chili back now. Uh, I like I like the Chili nickname. Now, three points, two goal differential. That's good for third place on the table. Uh, Arsenal sitting up on top, so we know for a fact this won't hold. <laughs> and uh, Brighton, they might feel a little bit robbed at this result just because, I mean, I didn't look up the expected goals, but... You know, this this team just needs time to gel, and we had we've had very little time in training with a full squad, uh, full healthy squad. So let, let's curb our enthusiasm a little bit and just go with the flow. Um, all right, let's move on to our final segment, Twitter questions. I guess we're not going to be doing preview of the Liverpool match because we're running a little uh, over on time, but maybe we'll mention at the end. Uh, this first one is from at Black Emoji. Or Blake, yeah, Black Emoji. He says, or he asks, at the risk of sounding spoiled and entitled, why did this game leave such a bad taste in my mouth? From the formation to Havertz playing out wide instead of Callum, I know people are injured, but what's going on? Is Frank lacking? See, so like Black Emoji is is on the complete opposite bus as Chelsea Eric because he says yeah. why would anyone doubt us and you know Black Emoji is pointing out all of the obvious glaring flaws I mean the 3-1 <laughs> the 3-1 you know score is is just so deceiving there's so many problems that we talked about but I mean are we, are I mean, we, it, I mean I, yeah Andreas go ahead I just want to say I mean it's hard not to like feel a little bit like I mean we could have done better and simply because, yeah, this transfer window has been so exciting and, like, argue, arguably the best the Premier League has ever seen. So we're, we're reading all these great things and stuff, but we also have to, like, keep it into perspective. And this is the hard part, again, because you just love seeing all these things come out. Usually, when we have this kind of crazy transfer window, we get three months of training. And then the guys come out and they are quote unquote polished as to what they expected of them, what their teammates are used to doing and, and all those things. So, yeah, I mean, it, it feels a little odd, but I am on Chelsea Eric's side. I mean, we got the win and on a short preseason with broken parts slashed mix and match solutions, it's not a bad thing. And in terms of Callum, we've already kind of discussed that. Yeah, no real. <laughs> Again, Andres, we're agreeing way too much lately, man. Yeah, I think I think so... a lot of a lot of the disappointment comes from the high expectations, and we tried warning yeah. you, Kirby enthusiasm a little bit, but you know, if you're disappointed, that's on you. <laughs> Shout out Larry David. <laughs> uh, next question. Well, uh, this one's from at Nacho Fuentes. Shout out to Venezuela. He asks. What role will Christensen have this season? He played fairly well tonight, but so did Zuma. Who's going to partner with Silva? Um, so 
I, going into this match, I kind of like had Christensen on the back burner, like thinking, okay, Zuma and and Tiago Silva, that's going to be the duo. But Christensen really made a good uh, campaign for himself to be, uh, you know, the guy next to Silva for majority of the season. I still am on Team Zuma and Silva as our best duo, but. You know, with him coming up in age, I think that the rotation could be nice. And I know Christensen's had great matches over the time, you know, over the years and, you know, disappointed in a lot of them, too. So, you know, I'm not going to watch this match and think, OK, new. This is a new Andreas Christensen. He's solid. He's fine. So I, you know, but I'm not as uncomfortable as having him out there as I was before. Uh, Zach, where do you sit on this? I think Zuma's the obvious choice, um, just based on ability and what he's able to do and his body of work. He's worked with a guy like John Terry, who was at a similar age as Silva is, um, but somebody that's an organizer and a leader of the back line who could kind of, you know, um, get shit in order. Um, so Zuma's the obvious one because Silva will be the one that could be able to read the game and break up play when needed. And do most of the marshalling and Zuma could do most of his dirty work in terms of the tackling and um, the more physical side of the game. I think I, I don't know if I'm just old school or a purist, however you want to frame it, but I I just think a center back partnership needs a yin and a yang in that sense, where you have one guy that's an organizer and the brains per se, and another guy that's the physical specimen. And and Zuma is the only physical specimen we have at center back. So and he's been our best center back. I I don't think that should be understated at all. So. Um, just based on that, yeah, he's he's the most obvious partner for Silva. Yeah, I, I think that the, the the quick response is that you play Christensen against false nines and smaller sides uh, because he is the, the brainy one, but he is also going to be quicker than Thiago Silva to catch up on speed with these smaller players. So, yeah, the, the move is Silva-Zuma first, Christensen-Zuma second, and, and there will be games where the right move will be to play Christensen over Zuma or sorry over Thiago Silva. So I think he is our first rotational option, at least in our books. I mean, yeah, I know we know Frank puts Rudiger a decent amount of times out there, but I think he should be the third name. All right, let's move on to the next question. This one's, uh, this is an exciting question to get. We got one from at CFC in America. From the admins, Whoa. what's up, CFC in America? I didn't even know you guys listened. <laughs> uh, they want to know awesome. about Conte's performance. Uh, they're curious how people thought he did. Um, I thought he, he was incredible uh, in the first half, especially uh, just a lot of a lot of interceptions, uh, you know, mm-hmm. dispossessions of, of the other team. And I think it's, it's just so nice to see a healthy N'Golo Conte out there like week one and you know, playing the full 90, it's it's uh, something that I missed. I mean, yeah, I thought he was great. I thought that, like you said, at the beginning he was probably better than later on. My thing, and I mentioned it earlier, I think he was working for two people. He um, won four duels. He recovered the ball five times, intercepted it six times, doing what he does best. I like the run that he tried making for – into the box to get a, a cross plate to him just because 
he, you know, N'Golo has those like sneaky goals here and there, and I, it would have been great to see that again in a game where we needed maybe somebody else to take the the step to get us the goals. But uh, yeah, had he potentially had a more physical, more of a double pivot partner, and perhaps Kovacic, I thought he would have been one of the first names we would have mentioned in today's match. Yeah, I don't think it's understated um, how important he is to the team and what we're trying to do. Um, but in this game, he did what he could. And Andres, you read off the numbers. These kind of speak for themselves. He di- he does what he does. Um, the fact that he didn't have protection in front of him or beside him didn't help. Um, so unfortunately, at times, he did look isolated. And I think he does fall victim to a lot of criticism in situations like that because we often see him especially in a game like this um, where, you know, he got passed around a couple times. But the reason why he's getting passed around is because he's the only person there. And I think that's what we need to start looking at a little bit more instead of just passing off criticism so quickly. Um, he's always going to be my favorite player um, at Chelsea. I just he, – he's impossible not to love. And mm-hmm. Frank spoke about him too, which was really reassuring. And he said basically he's not going anywhere. I can't do what I'm trying to do without him. Um, It just speaks volumes of what we're trying to do with him. You know, our best 11 doesn't include that guy. So, um, you know, what he did today was encouraging. I think the the biggest positive out of it was that we got 90 minutes, Um, you know, and hopefully he can, he he can retain his health for the rest of the season. That's going to be huge. And I think a lot of our success is going to be contingent upon that also, especially if we can't get that Declan Rice deal in, in time. All right, let's move on to the next question. Um, this one's from Nick Lenartson. Um, he says, how would you line up the midfielders when they're all back? Um, he says, Ziek, Havertz, and who? I personally think Ziek on the wing. Uh, N'Golo Conte, we just talked about, he has to be in that midfield. So Havertz and... Oh, I think Nick is talking in a 4-2-3-1. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, that's true, but still, I, I would... I would I mean, I guess, yeah, that is technically a midfielder. You just the, said you don't like Havertz on the wing, and now you're going to put him on the wing? No, I'm talking – I was talking – I'm talking about – sorry, I meant to say Ziyech uh, on the wing. Did I say Havertz? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I meant to say Ziyech 100% on the wing. Havertz uh, – I would I would rather play the 4-3-3 with um, Havertz, N'Golo uh, Kante, and someone who we really miss a lot today, Kovacic. Because we did not have anyone who could dribble the ball up the pitch, and it showed uh, how important that skill set that he has is to the team. Um, just looked really, really uncomfortable dribbling, dribbling the ball at all. Uh, Andreas, what do you what do yeah. you think? What's what's your ideal midfielder setup? Yeah, in, in the four three three, I go Conte at the base with Havertz and Mount flanking him. In the four two three one, I say Conte and Kovacic at the base with Havertz at the ten. Uh huh. Kovacic and Conte could be the best midfield pivot in the league when you really think about it. Yeah, Call me, someone say I'm wrong. No, please. it could, it could. If they if if they stay healthy and play to their highest, like the, their highest level that we've seen them play, like not even saying exceeding what we've seen, it, that that's one of the best duos, definitely. Just yeah. We literally just need them to transition the ball forward quickly because mm-hmm. that was my biggest pet peeve in today's game. Yeah. And, yeah, they, they really could be. Um, but, Zach, is it, did, did you want to add a third person to that? Well, obviously Kai, Kai Havertz, yeah. At the yeah. Um, 
in that in in that three where we have the two wingers and a ten. I think Havertz is going to see most of his success at Chelsea at the 10. I think that's a long-term plan and long-term vision with him. Um, so I would probably have Havertz at the 10, Ziyech on the right, Pulisic on the left. Um, and then either one of Kovacic or Mason's going to have to miss out, probably Mason, unfortunately, which stinks. But if we're saying this in the 4-2-3-1, then he's going to be the one missing out. But if it's 4-3-3, I'm, I'm, I'm all on board with what Andres is saying. I'd have Mount and Havertz flanking Conte, for sure. Okay, uh, let's move on to Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Ron's question. <laughs> this is a bold question. Do we loan out RLC? Love the guy, but he looked out of his element here. Oh, man, Ron. We, talk about an overreaction, huh? You want to loan him out after one bad match. I don't know. I mean... I mean, hey, there's there's grounds for it though. Like, look look at our midfield group right now. Yeah. We just talked about Mount being the first guy that we feel bad about missing time. You also have the fact that Frank loves Ross Barkley, so now there's five guys. Time. Yeah, yeah, he's earning it. And then on top of that, Frank also loves Billy Gilmore. That's six players. He is the seventh name on the list, especially after this game. And he's coming back from an injury where he looked skittish. I mean, the guy could use a move where he can play every week. I mean, he has the tools to be a starter week in and week out in the Premier League. It but wouldn't I, be. But when I saw that about Tammy, you guys shit on me. Thing. Okay, cool. I don't. But think Tammy, a... but Tammy's not the seventh guy on the list, and and yeah. there's a chance for Tammy to play alongside Timo, and Giroud love him to death but there's no way he keeps up his crazy high output and in performances at his age anymore or at least on a full more one more year so three forwards make sense to keep seven center mids ah and and we're trying to add Declan Rice to the equation I mean it's it's crazy to me and mm. even even if it's like unselfish of Chelsea to help Loftus-Cheek find his confidence, even if it's to eventually get him off our squad somewhere else. Like, I just think we uh, we don't owe it to the guy, but it would be a sign of good faith to at least help him reignite his career. It's not something I'm saying we should do immediately, but it's it's worth considering if it's going to benefit both parties. Yeah, I think alone's out of the question. I think he's he needs to stay in the squad this year. Um, and if he doesn't get any time in January, I think we start looking for prices. Yeah. I think 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 it's getting to that point where if he doesn't perform soon, I mean, we keep saying, you know, give him time, give him time, give him time. But we've been saying that since Mourinho. I mean, the guy's what, what, 25 now, 24, 25. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's my thing. He was coming in the same time Zuma was and Zuma's 25. So yeah, I mean, he's probably the one. But as a, as as a seventh choice, if we're going to consider him potentially seventh choice here, I'd rather give those minutes to Tino Andrian once every blue moon, though. Yeah, me too. That's my argument. Like, and you could probably put away 25 to 30 in the bank in this market, it's just, at least. It's just, it's just like, poor guy. Like, we love him to death, and when he's great, he's great. But where is he going to get the consistent time that a player needs to find his footing? Like, I hate to use the all-or-nothing thing as an example, but Danny Rose went to the Mourinho's office when he wasn't getting playing time, and he made a great point. I played great one game, had one bad game, I didn't play for eight matches. Like, 
That's the name of the game. Mourinho yeah. had a point too, though. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I guess you're comparing a Liverpool match against the Middlesbrough match, yeah. but that's beside yeah. the point. <laughs> the point is, like, the name of the game is Lampard wants to win. And yeah. if you're not going to be the piece that's going to help him win, he's not going to use you. All right, well, let's move on. Um, I, I know you took all these questions, but real quick, we, we have a fantasy league um, with the Rep Ultras, and uh, as of week one, I just want to go over the standing. There's eight teams. Nacho, shout out to Venezuela, is in first place with 63 points. I'm in second, tied with Ron, 43 points. I think he just wanted to hear that. Shout out to Mo Salah. He balled out for me. Uh, then Dylan is in fourth. Pulis, uh, Andreas in fifth, right behind him. John in sixth. And Zach, all the way down there at seventh. I see you all the way down there, bud. <laughs> Bobby, I have with, four within... Manchester players in my starting eleven. I know, yeah, so... I, I forgot about taking out my United players, but hey, Bobby down there with seventeen points, not looking too good, but hey, it's a long season. Uh, well, let's finish this this show off uh, with a question that was asked last week, but got requested to uh, be put off for a week until I returned. Um, this one is from at Russ is from Russell Sanders again. Russell Saunders. I don't know why it says Sanders here. Russell Saunders. <laughs> yes. Have you had a chance to try any Worcestershire sauce? No. Worcestershire. Shire. We went over this. How many times are we going to go over this, man? What is it? Worcestershire. Worcestershire. <laughs> I don't think the R is pronounced. It's like Worcestershire. It's like, well, I don't know, Norwich. Norwich. Worcestershire. 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 I think it's Shire. I think it's Shire. Where's the Shire? I'm confusing myself again, and I looked it up like a couple weeks ago. Well, no, I have not had a chance to try any Worcestershire sauce, but who cares? That name sucks anyway. Uh, (laughs) He also asked, do you think the former Eden Hazard Twitter handles are now Kai Havertz of some sort? I love old people on Twitter because they just hate everything that young people do. If any, if anything brings joy, <laughs> if anything brings joy or happiness to young people, it's you know, it's, oh it's just a God. fist in the air shaking. Why, you kids, no more fun for you. He, he's a he's a huge Eden Hazard hater. He thinks that he he's a traitor for wanting to leave the club for Real Madrid. I can't personally blame the guy, but hey. Uh, and he says, are we able to forget that burger munching Belgian once and for all? See there you go. He's He's a he's an Eden Hazard <laughs> hater, and he doesn't like people having fun on Twitter. He thinks it should be just, you know, public discourse, you know, like parliament, de, parliament debates on, you know, the, the the validity of the decision. You know, people are just having fun. Football Twitter is a different animal. Like FT is, like I, I was I did not immerse myself in it until we made our Twitter account for our, uh, for our show. And it's, it's pretty ridiculous, but it's 99% of it is just bait. It's just people purposely posting like a racy, like controversial tweet and, and people responding, are you fucking idiot? And it's like, that's exactly what they want you to say. So I've (laughs) learned, I've learned that quickly. But... No, no, no. He uh, Russell's not like that though. Ru- Ru- Russell actually likes to banter for fun. No, yeah, he likes the banter. Yeah. That's true. He, he contributes a lot to it. That's true. 
He um, does. He contributes a lot to the pod, yeah. Shout out to Russell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it. Well, we have a, we have a match against Liverpool next week. Oh. Um, obviously, we don't have like a big sample size. How do you guys feel going into it? Uh, I mean, if Leeds can put up a I literally fight. think I literally think it's a roll of the dice. Like, I really don't know what to really think of it. I, I don't know. If, are we going to win? Are we going to draw? Are we going to lose? All of those are such a possibility because Liverpool conceded three times to Leeds with a full-strength squad. And we had a solid victory in a bad game without a complete squad. So, yeah. It's a little bit of everything. Leeds is very it's impressive. Trent Alexander-Arnold got exposed. Um, that was which, was which was very very surprising. I'm not I'm not expecting that to happen again next week or this weekend. But you know what? Uh, I have I have confidence. like a one v one defender, but yeah. It depends which 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 players are healthy and available. Um, depending that that will decide how confident i am going into it but if we have a full healthy squad um then i am i will be confident going into the match i'm not going to give a prediction though i refuse yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what i'm not gonna give a prediction either i just because we really don't know what kind of mentality liverpool are going to come out with i mean when van dyke is giving up errors like that in the first game of the season after not doing it for like a fucking calendar year um, it tells you that something's not quite right mentally there. So they'll probably be up for it against us. Um, but, but, but honestly, guys, like I, I feel really good going, going into this. I feel much better going into this with the players we have now than I did going into Liverpool last season. Oh yeah. So Without a doubt. we're on the up boys. Trending. Yeah. But well, anyways, Andreas, um, by the way, we started off the episode talking about how Andreas was enjoying watching the Broncos game and they just lost off a last second field goal. I'm sorry. I don't know if you saw that. Listen, <laughs> I, I know this. I know this. There's no point in telling me this as uh... we're talking about Chelsea. <laughs> Remember when you said we're only talking about Chelsea in this podcast? Thanks. He didn't so, mention the Clippers the or the Bengals. All right, let's end this episode. I, I don't stoop we, that hey, Wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap it up. <laughs> Leave it to me to mention the Clippers, Andres. But anyways... um. That does bring us to the end of the episode this week. Three points in the bag. It wasn't pretty, but we did it. And hopefully we can do it again next week. So until then, keep the blue flag flying high.